0: Our listeners could be hearing about your brand right here, right now. For details, shoot us an email at info at theactioncatalyst.com. Well, welcome back to The Action Catalyst. This is Dan Moore, and today we are delighted to have as a guest Dr. Bob Nelson. We've had a number of people that can speak about motivation and can speak about employee engagement, but Dr. Bob is considered the leading authority in this area worldwide. He's the president of Nelson Motivation Corporation. And it is a management training and consulting company that specializes in helping organizations of all kinds improve their effectiveness. Just to indicate his names list, so to speak, 80% of the Fortune 500 firms have worked with Dr. Bob, and he serves as an executive coach and strategist. He's been named a top thought leader by the Best Practice Institute, a leading global employee engagement influencer, and a top 20 global management guru for 2019 by Thinkers 15 in London. What's very impressive to me is that he spent 10 years working very closely with Dr. Ken Blanchard, who wrote The One Minute Manager and so many others, and is a personal coach himself for Dr. Marshall Goldsmith, who is the number one ranked executive coach in the world, so coaching the coach. Dr. Bob has put together some brilliant books, of which some 5 million copies have been sold, including 1,501 Ways to Reward Employees, 1,001 Rewards and Recognition Field A 1,001 Ways to Energize Employees. And his latest book, A Thousand, One Ways to Engage Employees. And these books have been translated into more than 30 languages. He's appeared on every continent, with the possible exception of Antarctica, and appears on national and international media. So you may have seen him on 60 Minutes, CNN, MSNBC, PBS, NPR, and featured in the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Washington Post, Chicago Tribune, Fortune, Business Week, on and on and on. It's absolutely phenomenal. And those things come because they've been earned by great contribution. Uh, Bob holds his MBA in organization behavior from UC Berkeley, and earned his PhD in management education beside Dr. Peter Drucker, who is considered worldwide the father of mon- modern management uh, at Claremont Graduate University in LA. And among his other activities, he teaches in the MBA school at the University of California, San Diego. So. Bob, it goes on and on. It's amazing. And we are so delighted to have you here on the Action Catalyst. Welcome.
1: I'm I'm glad to be with you.
0: We're good. Our our listeners are business leaders, they're entrepreneurs, they're people thinking about entrepreneurship. They are current managers and organizations. And when they hear about all the things that you've accomplished and the many things about engagement that you have contributed to the world, it's pretty easy to think maybe you never really had a problem. But I wouldn't <laughs> be surprised, Bob, if you've had some brick walls along the way can you maybe share how you got started um, as a young guy and how you led into this whole area of employee motivation and engagement and some of the obstacles you faced and overcome?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think along the way, we all get feedback uh, about things we're good at. And, and then we have our own feedback on things we like. And if you can find that cross section between those two, I think it's a good, good place to uh, make things happen. And that's, that's, so I had, I knew i could uh, write, and uh I loved the power of writing how you can help help people help change things help improve things i'm very very positive i'm very practical my values are very practical, so I just kind of used those assets to to do uh, start writing books initially i self published and and uh, I learned a lot about publishing uh you know you, you focus on things you don't know and then pretty soon you you know them and then you can even be be uh, known for them if you keep at it so um so when it comes to to books i uh i actually had, i already had my mba and i was waiting for my my wife to finish her her graduate degree so i had like six months and i said well if i could do anything i wanted what what, what would that be and i when i worked for a bookstore and, and it was a wonderful job it didn't didn't pay hardly anything, but I learned so much about publishing and publishers and got to see what I liked. And every, every book was like a present. So that, that was very fundamental in me getting into writing books, published my first self-published book. at was 25 and I've done about a 30, 30 books since, wow. um, which is, uh, honestly, I don't know a harder thing that I've ever done than write a book, <laughs> but I keep coming back to it. So, uh, and I, and I get help from people as well, so I I, I know the process now. It doesn't make the next one easier, I find, <laughs> mm-hmm. but it's it's uh, um, I guess they, they've had some value because a lot of them have done very well. Mm-hmm. I've been blessed with that, but at the same time, I got to tell you, it was Mark Twain who said, "The harder you work, the luckier you get." And uh, I remember, I remember a relative uh, told my wife, "Oh, Bob really got lucky with that." That one book he did, I sold two million copies of. And my wife instantly said, luck had nothing to do with it. <laughs> he, <laughs> he, he pounded the pavement. He made calls. He he would go anywhere, do anything. It was uh, it was not uh, – when I, when I first published uh, A Thousand Ways to Reward Employees, which came out 25 years ago this month, I, I remember in the first week, I remember uh, a uh, president of a PR firm, Called me and asked me out to lunch, and and he said, "Wow, this book is really taking off. It, it sold, I think it sold forty thousand copies in in just the first few months. It was just kind of clicked, you know." And uh, he he wanted to talk to me, and he 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 liked it. He said, "How, uh, how many copies do you think it'll sell?" And I, I never thought of that question, but I guess I had the answer because I I didn't I immediately said a million, and and he said, "Over what period of time?" I never thought about that either and I said three years and um, at three and a half years the book passed a million copies and and now it's uh, close to two million copies so um, for that just that one book. That is an incredible achievement. (laughs) yeah so it's um it's you know you need you need maybe a little luck but the the harder you work the luckier you get and and being prepared when opportunities are there is uh very important so and and i guess you know along along your your questioning um uh, i guess i've i've constantly viewed of um i i've constantly got a number of different strategies in play i I have my own company now. I've worked for others, worked for several corporations. I like working for myself because I, I control the agenda and Mm no one, you know, it's funny. I've worked for several companies and I do a lot of different things and, you know, making money different ways and, that bothers a lot of people, in, in, in a business environment, and, and you know, Bob's double dipping and stuff like that. And it's like, wow, no one tells me that now because no one knows. I'm the one I control um, what I do, and the more uh, the way I focus on different strategies, they don't even have to all come into, into play. If, I, if a few of them do, I, I do very well.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's like the old saying, you get a lot of marbles rolling down the hill, some of them are going to get to the bottom.
1: Exactly. <laughs>
0: so I think that's great. Now, along the way, there must have been some moments when, when you weren't sure which direction to go. What, what strategies have you developed when you hit a brick wall in terms of career progression and, and movement that have helped you?
1: <laughs> okay. Yes, yes. Uh, what really speaks to some of the things that I was just saying is I, I, don't, I don't have... Just one strategy on anything i'm doing, I always have multiple strategies if I do on a given year, if I do uh, five major strategies, two or three of them are going to carry the year and I, I don't always know which which those are to begin with because it sounds good but until you get into it and and start talking to people and get responses from people then then uh, it, it may it may work better, you might find something else that works better but uh, you find out if it's not working, so it, you know. Obviously, you don't keep doing something that's not working. So, mm. I, I think um, having the, the freshness of strategies has been one of my keys in in any of it. In, in like the books I do, and in, in the speaking I do, and the consulting I do, and um, in, in, uh, I'm constantly, I'm constantly. Uh, uh, looking for the for new new and better strategies for what's working now in changing times because uh, because there's a lot of change and, and probably always has been in our lifetimes but um, <clears throat> so what worked yesterday or last year may not work uh, today or tomorrow mm-hmm. so you have to be you have to have a flexibility. <laughs>
0: Well, that is very true. I know for an example of your flexibility, is you've done a lot of recent work in the area of engagement of millennials in the workplace, which is, of course, a much decried group of people. Uh, our company makes our whole living for millennials. I love them. But uh, what, what do you see as some of the, the institutional changes maybe that people that are pre-millennial generation should be making in order to provide that engagement, motivation, and proper environment?
1: Yes, well, just a, just a background on on that one. I I got uh, the way you know, you, you got as you're ready for opportunities. I had uh, uh, CNN call me, and they said we're we're doing a segment on uh, millennials, and we'd like to feature you. And I I said, well, I'm flattered, but uh, I'm not a millennial. <laughs> and uh, they say, yeah, 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 we know, we know. I said, well, I why would you pick me? They go well from our research one of the defining elements of of the generation is a need for recognition uh on a daily basis actually it's a trophy generation and and you're the king of rewards you're the the guru of thank you and okay well let's do it then and and so i had uh i did a a wonderful um uh and i did 60 minutes uh speech on 60 minutes on the topic and and so now i'm in the game you know so people Mm -hmm. ask you to speak and. so that became one of um, about a dozen topics I talk about now. And, and it's a delightful topic to, uh, to research it. And, and that's evolved over, over, the, over the time as well. Uh, the millennials currently are, are already um, the majority, largest generation in the workplace. By 2025, they'll represent three quarters of every job will be a millennial. I, already work, I just worked with a company in uh, Myrtle Beach, um, South Carolina. There, there were a number of millennials. They had it was a hospitality company. It was sixty five percent. You know, so mm-hmm. it's depending on the industry, you got even more. And and they set the they set the tone. You know, um, and so you you have to adjust your management style for the people you're managing, <laughs> which a lot of people don't do. You know, and so it's it's very easy on that topic for for baby boomers to say, well, you know, I paid my dues. They got paid their dues. And it's like, well, newsflash. They're not going to pay their dues. <laughs> you have to make it happen for them now. Well, that doesn't seem right. You know, well, okay, do you want to hire them? Do you want them to work out? Well, then let go of uh, that, those stereotypes of baggage and deal with who you're dealing with now. And if you do, you're going to find uh, it's a delightful workforce. They're hardworking. They, they are very creative. Uh, they are, are, have different expectations of life and of their job. So, for example, 88% don't feel money is their top motivator. Wow. Well, a lot of boomers say, well, how could that be? You know, of course, money is the most important thing. Well, not for them. You know, 60% want to work for a place that provides purpose. Uh, for example, they, they want to have opportunity. They, uh, so you, you've got to meet them at where they're at if you expect, expect them to work out. So for the very first conversation, the average tenure of a millennial <laughs> um is one point eight years right now and dropping. So if you go if if someone in an environment a company a lot of times the average tenure will be, you know, twenty-seven years or thirty-three years or something. If for a company to adjust to a whole workforce population that is looking to change jobs every one and a half years, you got to do some adjustment quickly to account for that. Mm-hmm. And, and when you do, actually, you're going to find you're going to be a more productive workforce because you're, you're not thinking in terms of they're going to be around forever. If you don't do something, things now that are important to them, they're not going to be around next week even. So, it, it, it's causing people to um, take attention and to adjust uh, how they view managing people. So, right. you kind of hit a nerve there for me. I could probably talk for a couple of days just on millennials. I'm very bullish on them.
0: Well, as, as am I, we have about 1,400 salespeople, and all but nine or 10 are millennials. So, I completely understand. Excellent. And appreciate Excellent. them very much. And, of course, generational gaps uh, goes all the way back to Cat Stevens' father and son and, and, uh, and way below <laughs> that. So learning to adjust. Do find millennials are more skilled at managing and leading other millennials? How's that working?
1: I think they because they 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 come out with different values, I think they have the potential to be better leaders they don't they're not clinging to uh command and control values or i 'm right because i'm the person in charge and you're not they're more, they're much more collaborative, which is a strength for effectively managing today they're they're um definitely action oriented uh so um as you as you get involved them, in, you know the, the, in my in my research and experience, the top motivators of people are things that tend to not cost money to begin with. A simple mm-hmm. thank you for a job well done, and uh, involving people in decisions that affect them, asking their opinions and and ideas and suggestions. If they got a good one, giving them permission to pursue that idea, autonomy and authority. Uh, if they happen to make a mistake, which they will, if they're pushing the envelope. How you handle mistakes is a huge motivator. You can, you, can uh, you know, embarrass them in front of their peers and prove you're the smartest person in the room, or you could say, you know, I'm not sure we have done it the same way, but what'd you learn from that? It could be the best training you've had all year. And so uh, you do those things, and, and I think millennials are more apt to, to do that if they, um, so I, I'm very bullish on them as employees. I'm very bullish on them as managers as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's really powerful and very affirmative. So thank you for that. Now, shifting the focus back back to you, Dr. Bob, what, what keeps you growing? You know, it's easy to get complacent and listen to that voice that says, coast a while, slip it, let it just roll into neutral for a bit. But you're constantly <laughs> growing. What keeps you growing?
1: Yeah, thank you. Um, And uh, I think there's a, for my life anyway, there's an ebb and a flow. So when you're when you're in kind of go go, you're out on the road, you're uh you're going from one, one market to another, then you're kind of focused on that and doing the best job with the clients you're working with. And then when you're off of that and and things are, are slower, it gives you more time to then come back to do for me, you know, the uh what's new, what's what's different, uh um, marking type stuff that, that leads to other things. So I don't know, being, being open to opportunities and, and having in mind what you, what you'd like to do is of course important. Uh, the, the uh, uh, you know, uh, dreams that said that dreams are, are, uh, uh, goal with the deadline, you know, having a, having a specific goal, not just wishing for things, but having backing up with actions. For example, I had, uh, Yesterday, I, I hiked with a friend, and and she's a, a lawyer and um, wants to get on um, some boards. In California, they passed uh, a law that uh, all, all publicly held companies have to have a woman on their board. And that's just for right now. Um, and each year it goes up where there's got to be a certain percentage of the board has to be women. It's like 40% or 60% eventually. Uh, I'm not sure of that number, but it's at least 40%. So that means if a, if a board, <laughs> if you have a board and you don't have women, you, you by law, you're going to have to have a, a female board member by the end of the year and, and build on that beyond that. So a prime time for, for her. She's very skilled. She's Great at, at risk managing risk and strategy, so she's a great candidate, and it's a great opportunity. So she would like to do that. If you leave it there, then it, it may happen. It probably won't happen. So I, I spend my whole time just saying, "Well, what what are you going to do? Well, there's the have you targeted uh, companies? Well, there's a hundred a hundred California public corporations that uh, she has identified that that." Um, Well, that's great. So, what what do you do first to get? And she's already working with some corporations. So that's a you know start with the low hanging fruit. So so before we're done talking, she's got a plan. And then I'm still pushing her. It's like you got to have a sense of urgency. If you're if you're still thinking about doing it, you know next by next fall, it's going to be too late. Those companies that had to get um, a female board member already got them. So you have to strike now. So I'm I'm big at uh, motivating people to do things now to move towards a future state. And I do that for myself as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, that's the real the real art of practicing what you preach, and how important that is. I think it's great. Uh, now, here's some maybe a little bit of an odd question: Do you have a particular way you like to start your day to get your engine going, to get you moving? Uh, a morning routine. <laughs> a number of my guests have had a morning routine. I'm just curious.
1: Hmm i uh, I think it depends on where where I am that morning. If I'm, I've got like two personalities. I'm. On the road personality, where I'm focused on what I'm doing and the client I'm working with and doing the best job in a presentation or consulting, uh, that, when I'm back home, I've got, I've got a lot more things to do and a lot more um, flexibility into, into what's most important. So I, I guess if there's a routine. It's me at the beginning of each day saying, well, what are the, the three things that I, I most want to get done today and keeping those as a priority? as opposed to just going on email and then suddenly your day is taken away, you know? Um, so it's, it's making sure you're driving the agenda of the best use of your time, not just be, responding to other people who are, are vying for your time or, or want uh, something from you. Um, not make sure that you're taking care of the things that are important to you first. And so sometimes that means blocking everything out to, to get through the first thing that's most important and um, so it's that that I think that's probably the my my best strategy how I start the day.
0: Mm-hmm. So it's uh sort of the anti distraction valve that you keep open or shut, uh, but making sure you get your first priorities done first.
1: Yeah. If you don't if you don't have it staked out, uh, more times than not you get to the end of the day and you will not have done those things that were most important to you, which then, and and yeah, yeah. Stuff that came up was, might've been important, but, uh, Hmm, still you gotta be driving your own time. No one else is going to do that for you. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Otherwise the day goes away pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. That's very true. Uh, now what would you say to somebody, Dr. Bob, who is, who's genuinely discouraged, either they're overwhelmed by circumstances out of their control, um, as they said in the song, "The Gambler," they're out of aces. Um, what What are some one, two, threes to get somebody moving when they are just really stuck?
1: Well, um, it's interesting. I just um, when I when you're really having a bad day, for example, where things are, are not going well on many levels, um, sometimes I just cash it in and say. <laughs> And go to bed, you know. <laughs> go to bed <laughs> early. Yeah. That, that actually advice I got from Ann Landers a long time ago. She said, Are having a bad day? Ah, eh, go to bed. You know. <laughs> Start over tomorrow. Get up earlier tomorrow. <laughs> so so every now and then I might do that, but I, I always um again very practical. So I, I uh I'll think and I'll strategize. Um what what um, something's not working and, and I'll have disappointments you know um and and I tend to double down on on uh, approaching another strategy harder so if uh <laughs> oh boy give you an example so I, I do a lot of a lot of speaking for different groups and i had I was excited about a new a new group that I was going to start speaking for and um, i I had some great conversations and ultimately. These a couple places I, I approached on this type of speaking, they, they declined. So I was like, oh man, that's gonna be a whole strategy for me. So it kind of stopped me for a moment, but then as I pick myself up, I'm gonna, I already have the context for the other ones. I'm just gonna hit them harder and um, against not giving up on a strategy before I feel it's been fully tested. So mm-hmm. I don't know, there, there's, uh, ah, in anything I do, I'm doing, um, as I do books, i okay. got, uh, you get, you want to do a book, you feel a, a good idea and then you, you map it out, you get into it and uh, it's just not working the way I thought. It's not, this, it's not, um, the value I thought it's not, uh, just stopping you and you reapproach it and i will call, I guess I'll, I'll call someone that I think I can talk to about it and get their, their thoughts. So I, I kind of, uh, have ways to ruminate on, uh, you know, why something isn't working or, or what, something's stuck. I don't even know why, but uh, if, I, if I talk about it with, with someone else, I, will, I can get unstuck. Mm-hmm. And often that means instead of working that same strategy a little bit more when it's not working, sometimes it's unplugging from that strategy, coming at it from a different angle. And wow, now you got kind of a freshness all around. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's making any sense, but that's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you asked me some stuff I, I probably never have been asked about before.
0: Well, that's that's great though. So you use others as like a personal advisory board to bounce ideas off, give you some perspective, and, and the rest of that. And That's important.
1: Absolutely, and I think I've got different people in my life for different types of things. You know, so <laughs> uh, and you know, of course, of course, your spouse is usually for most people their best friend. But I'll have if I'm stuck on a on say a book project where it's just not coming together. I have, uh, I have a long-term contact I'll call that, uh, writes books and, um, I will have clarity after I talk to him. And he, by the way, is someone I got into writing books. So Hmm. (laughs) he perpetually feels he owes me because I send him work and whatnot. And I don't, I don't uh, want anything from, uh, the leads I give him, but, um, Every now and then, I'll, I'll call and I'll pick his his mind, and he will be all too help, uh, all too helpful for me. So that's just on that there there might be uh, you know so different parts of your life when there when you're have troubles may, there might I don't know if it's maybe there's different people you can ask about different things if there's you know finance things uh, there might be different people you talk to versus personal problems versus work problems different types of work problems i don't know my, that's offhand that's my approach you're, you're getting stuff from me I've never really talked about before <laughs>
0: well i'd say I'd say you're giving us a very practical strategy, and, and that's to realize that people have different influences in our lives and different aspects of our lives, and we should lean on the ones that have that impact and, and ability to help us move forward
1: I, I don't think we or I'll, I'll say myself i don't think i i uh, use my colleagues i know people i know in my life for different things i, I have people in my life that will call me that I, I are just a loose colleague and they'll ask stuff of me and i'm always flattered to do that but i i find i, I don't do that myself um you know, you don't want to be a burden to someone else you don't want to and I, I find that usually when you do do that you you end up you know having a closer relationship with the person that you you asked uh, about challenges you have and um, it's uh, in fact, um, in my bio, you mentioned Marshall Goldsmith, who's just a great guy, and he he does this uh, one activity when he when he speaks, and he he has people um, you know, when stand up and just think about something in, important in their life that they're working on, something they want to be better at, a better uh, better at um, a task or a better parent or a better spouse, whatever it is, something that's really important that you want to work on. And he has them um, uh, meet meet someone else. Everyone's standing around to meet someone and tell them what you're working on, and then ask them for their feedback. That's the whole exercise. And it's not a discussion, and they they can't be clarifying questions. You say, so I'm trying to. So for example, if I said I'm trying to be more better with my time, and I'm talking to someone I don't know, and they give me one suggestion, and they might say, um, you know prioritize the things to do and your response is thank you it's not a discussion point thank you and you turn and you do it again with someone else and just in 15 minutes you get this incredible incredible feedback on something that's really important to you and all these are all people that maybe you knew already that you could ask at any time but the exercise had you ask him right now and I tell you what I've done that where Someone I didn't know from a different country would say something and just almost knock me off my feet. It was like, that's that's brilliant. And then uh, I'm looking for them afterwards because I, I wanted to thank them. And uh, it's amazing. The, the, the information is out there if we open ourselves to it and in a, in a vehicle for tapping into it. So that's mm-hmm. a wonderful little career development uh, thing that Marshall does that uh, I think is fabulous every time I've done it
0: with him. That's fantastic. It sounds like it's helped you stay coachable and teachable too. And uh, the learners, always, the teachers, always learning.
1: And that's a, that's a big one too, because, uh, you know, the point where you think you know it all, then you're going to be in decline in whatever it is that you were good at. That if you, if you're not, if you don't continue to learn and try to stretch and, and improve, in whatever way, you know, not just in, in terms of what you know, but who you know, and in terms of how you how you do things, in terms of goals for your life. If you're not uh, keeping it active and fresh, then yeah, I think in a little way you're 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 dying, you know. So you're you get better. It's like a, like Woody Allen says, it's like his life's like a shark. You got to keep moving forward. You can't just mm-hmm. pause and and. uh Because then you're going to regress and it's not going to be the excitement and commitment to to do something better.
0: (laughs) Oh, I think that's fantastic. Well, Dr. Bob, this has been an amazingly instructive time for me personally, and I know it will be for our listeners as well. So on behalf of everyone in the Action Catalyst, thank you so much, not just for what you shared today, but for
1: the great work you do. Thank you so much. Honored to be on your program.
0: If you enjoyed this podcast, please make sure to subscribe. To stay updated on everything that the Action Catalyst is up to, make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram
1: at Action Catalyst Podcast and Twitter at Catalyst underscore Action. Thanks for listening.